HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Jewel by Chef Steps is a proud sponsor of Beer Sessions Radio. Jewel sous vide is the future of the kitchen. Jewel, perfect food every time. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. The topic, restaurants and rules. Some rules are based on religion. This makes for an unusual scene in a Manhattan restaurant. A shy 20-year-old dictating the kitchen standards to a humble veteran chef. While other rules promote health and safety. But who are these feared rule keepers with the power to shut a restaurant down? They're not really like food, food lovers. Some restaurant rules fall outside the domain of the kitchen. All civil rights issues have basically... Uh, at one point or another, revolved around the bathroom. For more, tune in to this week's Meet and Three on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host, and today is Tuesday, December 4th, 2018. We've got a special show today. You know, it's uh, New York City. There's over 30 breweries, and uh, our guests are going to be opening another brewery, and we're really thrilled to have them. They're going to give us a lot of their background and what they're going through now. They're just starting in the opening process. So the guys from Wild East Brewing will be opening out in Gowanus in Brooklyn are here. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Lindsay Steen. I was born and raised in Colorado and have lived in about five different states since then, including New York and New Jersey. And now you're Wild East Brewing. And now Wild East Brewing. Here we go. All right. I'm Tyler Marge. I'm originally from Southern California, and I lived in New York City for about 15 years now, and I currently reside in Gowanus, Brooklyn, where our brewery will also be opening. Terrific. I'm Brett Taylor, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've lived in Brooklyn since 2002, and uh, I have a day job brewing at Fifth Hammer Brewing Company, and I uh, am a co-founder of Wild East Brewing Company. And Brett, to me, you're kind of you're kind of the glue on this because you've been on the show before, and uh, I know you're from some homebrew events in in the city, but you also before worked at Keg and Lantern with Jeff, who's here. Hey, Jeff. Hey, hey, Jimmy. How's it going? Thanks for having me back. Good. So 
so yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Lyons. I'm uh, originally from Detroit, seeing we're all doing origin stories today. And uh, yeah, I've been about a dozen years in Bed-Stuy and, and work at Keg and Lantern for about two years now. You know, so th- this is pretty cool. You, it's like there's a lot of new breweries in New York, and I feel like there's, there's definitely room for new breweries that have good brewers, and there's always room for, for, for another brewery. So I feel like we're at that stage in New York. I don't think we're close to capacity or anything. And I don't know if you guys obviously don't feel that way since you're opening. So give us a little bit of your backstory, your inspiration. I know, Brett, you know, I've, I'm always impressed with your beers, and I know that you and Tyler started collaborating a while ago at, at, with some home brews. But um, who wants to start talking about how you guys first met and this project got started? Sure, I'll jump in. Um, we, you know, I had had the typical uh, homebrew dream of wanting to open a brewery, and um, it, it never subsided. It just got stronger. Uh, and so, and, and I knew I wanted to make farmhouse-type styles of beer, uh, mixed fermentation beer, uh, Britannomyces focused beers, and some and, uh, and barrel-aged sour beer. And, um, you know, Tyler, who I'd known through the homebrew community, uh, you know, when I, I was looking for, I was just looking for people and for help and to, to like get this thing going. And, and he, he approached me and we, um, you know, we, we, we hit it off cause he, uh, is a great brewer. He's a, he's a, he's a, got a great palate and he, he, he com- sort of brought a lot of things to the, to, uh, to the party that I didn't have. And then, um, then I'm going to hand it off to Tyler and then, because, <laughs> and I want to say that just give you some props. I mean, like I said, I, I, I knew you from some of the homebrew events. You did homebrew jamboree at Jimmy's Number Forty Three with Josh, Josh Bernstein a couple of times. But then I, we had you on with with Jeff from Keg and Lantern, and then I found out you were working at Fifth Hammer. So um, you've you've obviously learned a lot from from working in in breweries. Um, any anything you want to tell us about that experience? You know, it's like you're lucky you've you've worked at two two breweries before you even opened your own. Well, I actually, it goes back to 2011. I had an internship at, um, at Six Point and, uh, like Ian and Sean that were there, they, uh, um, and Danny Bruckert, um, they were, they helped me a lot to learn the very basics of, 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 uh, how to work in a brew house. And then, um, I, I went to brewing school after that. And, uh, when Strong Rope had, was first open, Jason's an old friend of mine and we, uh, you know, he needed some help in the brew house. And, and so I, I was coming in even while I was still working in my previous career. Um, I was able to, to help out Jason and just give him a little bit of, of support so that he could break away and do the things that founders do. And that's kind of where I'm at at Fifth Hammer right now, too. Like, I take so much pride in just uh, making Chris's beer and uh, and giving – and every time he goes and plays a uh, – Chris Kuzmi, that is, uh, the founder – Every time he goes and plays a plays a, a you know he's a jazz musician he goes and plays I I take a lot of pride in that because I I feel like I help make that possible, um, but and Jeff tell, you, you had uh, Brett was working for you for a while at Keg and Lantern. Uh what is what are some of his strengths you know if you were recommending him to uh, other people opening a brewery I don't have to because thankfully he's, he, he's opening his own it's fantastic I can't wait for this um, but yeah when I uh, when I left Greenpoint beer and ale and and had the opportunity to go to keg and lantern um i think i probably said this last time we were on and i i was 100 percent serious and honest with it and, and hold by it that um there were there were two main reasons that i went to keg and lantern and, and one of them was brett the other was that we're opening a, a new space and i kind of wanted to go through that process uh basically on somebody else's dime <laughs> before i had to do it uh for real for myself um, so we're, we're actually in the process of doing that, opening the space in Red Hook, but yeah, um, Brett's amazing. I think you, what he touched on, I just think we have 
similar taste in beer. I think we we really like dry beer. We really like mixed fermentation beers, beers with a lot of, you know, Brettanomyces and, and bacteria and a lot of depth to them. Um, so I, I, I think that lined up really well. Uh, and I didn't know him as a brewery employee until till we started working together, and that, that worked out amazingly as, as well. Well, that's a, that's a great start. What beer are we drinking now? Uh, so this is... Um this is a mixed fermentation. It's a saison with a mixed fermentation. Uh, this is one of the older bottles, an older uh, a 2016 beer, um, and it's you know it's a it's a house culture that we. Um, so it's a wild wild yeast prototype. Uh, yeah, it's it's a carefully constructed uh, wild. It is a wild wild yeast prototype. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but it's a it's a I sort of carefully built the the blend and then let it go do its thing over the course of many generations. Um, so, you know, it's, I like it. I like it a lot. I've, I've made really good homebrew with it, but, uh, we know when we open up the brewery, it, it still has to make the team. So if I, if I make new mixes and, and they're better then it's hard. So wild East, wild yeast. Yeah. This is a cool name. Is that, Tyler, tell us, <laughs> tell us how you got involved with, with Brett and some of your backstory. Sure. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, me and Brett go pretty far back as does Jeff. We were, uh, we were always entering these different competitions that were, um, you know, like open to the public. You'd go, you'd brew five gallons of beer. They'd sell tickets. People would come in the door and random. Like what, like Pride of Brooklyn? Yeah, Pride of Brooklyn. Um, you know. Homebrew Jamboree. Homebrew Jamboree. Uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Wart. Yep. There were quite a few. It seems like there used to be more than there is now, but. Because everybody's now becoming a pro brewer. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the, all the good brewers like Brett are no longer involved or people like us that have decided to open a brewery are no longer doing this, but there are plenty of those still going on. But um, so anyway, I met Brett back probably in like 2012, 2013. Uh, I think we always had a mutual respect for each other in terms of brewing. I always really liked his beer. He was always doing something different and um, that's what really impressed me about him. A lot of people were making the same style of beers, IPAs, stouts, brown ales, you know, whatever. And he was always kind of like off in his own world doing these amazing mixed fermentation beers, Brett beers, you know, sours. And no one was really doing those at that, at that time. And that really impressed me. And that really, you know, that he earned my respect in that way. And then eventually I found out he had plans to open a brewery and... I just I kind of jumped at the opportunity to at least talk to him and ask if I can get involved in any way, and and I was like I was willing to you know just be a small investor if nothing else I just wanted to be a part of it because I knew he was going to be so successful as a professional, and so, um, so I I don't remember how it exactly happened but we sat down together we I got a meeting with him <laughs> like he's like a big Hollywood agent or something but but anyway we, we got a meeting we we went we met up at Al Farm. And, um, you know, I kind of just, like, pitched my proposal to somehow be involved. And it turned out um, he was not only interested in getting me involved as, like, an investor, but he wanted he, – he, he was looking for a partner in the project. And uh, that's really how it all started. And um, from there, we you know, from day one, we hit the ground running, working on the business plan. Um, I, I think the original plan was to do something a little smaller and modest, almost like a nano brewery. And I said, hey, like, you know, if we're really going to quit our day jobs and do this and, you know, make some make some decent uh, money so that we can, you know, support ourselves and 
um, make this a job. You know, we should think a little bigger. And, and you guys uh, are finding a lot of support from from this, the city brewers. Like David at Fifth Hammer, you said, has been giving you a lot of feedback. Because right. you've got a lease, you've got a space. You're gonna just mm-hmm. going to start looking at what contractors and everything. Yep. Yeah, we're bidding out to our contractors right now. So that's the next step. We're hoping we can start construction uh, right after the new year. Probably ideally January 2nd. We keep saying that almost as a joke, but I think at this point it's... it's I mean possible. 100%. <laughs> January second. <laughs> well, this is cool because we don't really meet too many breweries that are just at this stage where you just signed a lease and you're just getting going. And then Lindsay, Lindsay Steen, uh, tell us again how you joined because you're kind of the, you're the, the the last of the three here. So I was like the outsider coming in in a way. Um, I had wanted to open a brewery of my own, and. I don't know where I start in this whole process, but I um, had been working in sales for about 10 years and wanted to do something on my own. A lot of ideas had run through my head, but I really love beer and I love the community of beer. And you have like a science background too. I do have a science background and a sales background and my sales and science actually melded together because my... I was in scientific and um, industrial and pharmaceutical manufacturing sales. So I, I covered six, I managed six states from here all the way up to Maine and throughout all my travels was all about beer and being from Colorado, a huge beer state, it's just always been in me. And once I started thinking about what I wanted to do, I wanted to open a brewery. You know, I'm going to jump in and say that, um, your, your background similar to Mary Isa, it's a fifth hammer. She was, I know Mm. she was a scientist and in sales, Yeah, but it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Like even five years ago, people were like, Oh, where are the women in beer? And it's almost like you have to have a model to follow. And everyone's like, Oh, that's the Mary Isa role. You know, it's like, (laughs) she's got science. She's got sales. She's a great brewer. Uh, I don't know if, if you're seeing that, if you guys have seen that where not too long ago, there weren't as many women being considered as brewers or or owners. I don't know if anyone else wants to weigh in on that or Lindsay, you want to keep talking about that? Um, like any other role models for you, or did you yeah. ever think you wouldn't open a brewery? I mean, no. I once one day I decided I was going to do it, and I, I, you know, if you ask a lot of my friends, I'm the get shit done person, and uh, I had started writing a business plan with another female friend of mine, and. Um, few things happened with her and, and uh, with her family and she had to move back to Colorado. So I kind of had to regather and figure out where do I go from here? Cause this was not something that, I mean, it's possible to do it on your own. It's, it's difficult. Um, and you just want to have other people to weigh in and give input on business plan on everything. So this was definitely not the route I thought I would go, but I, you know, just started working as much as I could and thought, okay, I really need other people. And that's what, what are some I found decisions you guys have had to make recently uh, together that you may not have made on your own or that you've helped each other out? That's a good question. We make decisions every hour. <laughs> every hour. Right? Um, I mean, it, you know, a big one was choosing our equipment manufacturer and, you know, the, the, the two, my, the options, you know, every, so I was, I, I, I brew on an ABE system at Fifth Hammer and I, and I, I like that and, and they were really working with us, but there was a part of me was like, let's, let's look at DME. And, um, these guys, these guys really were like, you know what, don't 
let's let's go with the one that you work on. And that's great because DME just went out of business last week. So That's um, what I was going to ask you. They're, they're, they're the ones that went out of business. <laughs> yeah. So people put money down and lost their money too. Yeah. Because I was like, I was willing to go kind of 50-50 and just like, you know, I mean, DME wasn't offering some of the things that, that we really wanted on a system, but um, these guys were, were like pretty, pretty vehement about the fact that if, if we like the system that we're brewing on and that I'm brewing on and if they'll make, they'll add the amenities that we want to have, they're like, let's just do that. And, and uh, so, yeah. There's a potential train wreck avoided. I will say, somehow our team, we always kind of have the same gut decision when mm -hmm. it comes to things like this. So the, I, don't, I can't think of one example where we've all gone separate ways on a decision. Or, or even two ones, pretty rare, honestly. Yeah, yeah so that, I mean, that makes it a lot easier because yeah. you do make big decisions. Like if, if we would have gone with DME and we would have lost the investment on that, I don't know what would have happened. How much I mean, money w would you have to put down for the sy type of system you're looking at? Just approximately. $125,000. Wow. So there's a chance that if your manufacturer goes out of business, then that money could just go up in smoke. And mm -hmm. that's devastating when you think about how, how expensive it is to start a brewery to begin with. Yeah. You can't really... I mean, you can spare... You, you can... Sorry, you can... Um, deal with losses here and there, like tiny losses, but I don't know how some of like some breweries that deal with these massive losses, I don't know how they recover from that. In the in the startup stage, I mean, when you when every dollar counts, that's, that's difficult. Are we talking about our decisions? Yeah, sure. <laughs> or did that freak did did did, did <laughs> Were you aware that the, the manufacturer went out of business last week? I mean, oh, yeah. You guys talked about that a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, we talked about that a lot. And just that we've, just the decisions that we've all chosen thus far have been very good and well thought out and discussed. And I think, you know, that's another thing just about having three people here is that, hey, if one of us is unavailable or, you know, we want to go on vacation or whatever. There's always two of us there to weigh in on these decisions. <coughs> Obviously, major important decisions like the decision to go with ABE. We all, you know, we did investigate several manufacturers and all decided this was the right decision to go with and have not regretted it. Uh -huh. um, well, guys, so, we're off yeah, for a great start. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. The holidays are just around the corner, and at Beer Sessions Radio, we don't just care about what's in your glass. There's one smart kitchen appliance that can make the best Thanksgiving turkey you've ever tasted, for real. Jules Sauvide uses precise temperature control and trademarked visual doneness guides to make perfect food every time. Cook incredible dishes at home via the Jewel app on your phone or tablet. Or try voice control cooking with the Jewel Amazon Alexa skill. Hey Alexa, dial me up a brisket. There's zero guesswork, so steak, chicken, seafood, turkey, roasts, eggs, all come out exactly the way you like them. Just be sure to save room for pumpkin pie. Jewel, perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E and enter our code HRN to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E and enter our code HRN.
Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, heritageradionetwork.org. Join, become a member, and there's end-of-year giving. Uh, just last night, there was a great annual fundraiser at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. But check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. Become a member. A lot of cool things happen on this uh, network of over 30 shows. And we're very proud to be in our ninth year, um, over 450 shows, all thanks to the support of sponsors and the network in general. So, guys, we're talking with the Wild East Brewing kids who are uh, just signed a lease, and, and hopefully in 2019 they'll be opening the brewery in Gowanus, Brooklyn. But we were just talking about some of the, the pitfalls of, of when you're getting started. So, Brett, you said that you were deciding between two different equipment manufacturers, and one of them went out of business just last week. So you're lucky you picked the right one. Yeah. I mean... We were probably going to go with ABE all along, but you know you have to entertain these other you know other you, just, you have to do your you have to do your homework, and um and make sure you get the price and, and the system you want and when it, you know when it came down to it ABE really uh really was making the system that we wanted to have they uh I asked for things that um were not typical and they in most cases didn't. They gave it to me without an additional charge. And, then when, and Jeff, Jeff from Keg and Lantern, um, you mentioned too that you guys, as you're expanding Keg and Lantern, you guys had a similar issue with an equipment manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Brett was actually with us uh, while we were going through this process. But as we were deciding on what the new system in the new space would be, uh, we ended up going with ABE uh, for a number of reasons, mostly because their customer service is awesome. Shout out to Amanda; she she rules. Um, but we, we decided to do that and literally within maybe a week or two after we actually signed and, and sent the deposit in with ABE, the sort of B of the AB, uh, discussion went out of business as well. A totally different company. Which company was that? Uh, so that was Me- Metalworks, right? Um, and there were a number of, uh, local bur- Metalcraft. Yeah, yeah. Metalcraft, I did that um, to you, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, there were, there were uh, a number of local breweries. Uh, there were quite a few breweries throughout the country affected, but um, I don't know if I should I think ba- you can mention. I think Barrio had a go- deal with that. Was it well, a couple years ago? Grim, f- fairly famously, yeah. uh, um, we can mention them because it's, it's been yeah, all over Grim, the press. Three yeah. is also a Yeah, so, so Grim and Threes, another half, and, and a few other local breweries all had systems at various stages of, you know, they had already signed, sent their deposit in, and were expecting systems that said some kind of timeline, and all three of them basically got hung out to dry. Um, and I think threes kind of let the whole thing go, as far as I know. I, and I, I, don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Grim went out there and literally went to the warehouse, took what was, you know, partially constructed, and then then found a way to, to complete that construction. And it cost them a good deal of time and therefore a good deal of money before they were able to get open because of that. Wow, I never would. Th- I mean, I've heard of things like signing a lease on a on a property and forgetting that you need to have gas lines or, you know, other issues like that. Are there any other thing that that have come up or that you guys have been aware of in your planning that you hope to avoid? I feel like this is a Lindsay question. <laughs> I know she's making all the tough calls. <laughs> Um, we had so many you put me on the uh, spot it's okay I guess it's you know every space is so different and you want of course something that's absolutely perfect but like you said you know a gas line when you go in and look at the space you look to see are, do drains exist here 
Um, how big is the water pipe? How big is the gas line? Um, those are all things that if it's not there or if it's too small, something that's, you know, you're going to have to upgrade it in order to run a brewery. Uh, so some of those things could be like an extra year. It can be very costly. Sprinkler system is another thing that I think a few other breweries have had to drop some pretty big money on because there's no sprinkler system in place and that you need to have one. So there's a lot of things to look for when you're looking at a space that you don't unexpectedly get slapped for a bill with a bill after you sign it. Um, so those are things we've learned from other people that have been really good at, you know, giving us advice. <laughs> and then on, going back to the, the system itself. So I know when you're going from home brewing to, to pro brewing, a lot of it, Brett, is, is scaling up your recipes and learning how to do them a, a little more, um, what, what's a good word, methodical? Yeah. Um, t- tell us what's that like. So you're, you're going to be working with a system you're familiar with, you know, what are some recipes that you have in mind to, to, to brew when you guys open? Sure. Um, well, you know, we have, <clears throat> we want to do, we want to do a lot of mixed fermentation saison. We want to do, we want to do, uh, Brett beers. We want to do like Brett, Brett, like a Brett blonde, a Brett, uh, IPA, but not, not beers that are, are particularly funky. We want to, we want to sort of play around with the new England style IPA, but with Britannomyces, um, and some really fruit forward, uh, Brett blends and um, let that sort of coalesce with the hops and, and, and go to a new level. Um, so those are things that you know we're we're gonna do. But uh, you know, and then and then obviously the saison mixed fermentation, all the sort of the whole portfolio of of like B- Belgian and French farmhouse type beers. Um, but you know, we also want to do Berliner Weiss that's not uh, kettle soured. We want to do a you know we want to do a live uh, Berliner Weiss and we want to do it pretty quickly, um, uh, which we can do with with the cultures that you know that we that we use. Um, that I think is something that I don't know. I don't know if anybody else is doing it. Uh, may, maybe Grim um, locally, but. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Others, others may be doing it. I'm not sure. It's just, you know, I don't really, we don't really measure ourselves against anybody else. We just sort of make, want to make our beer and, you know, be a part of the community. So, um, yeah, th- those, those beers and then some sort of rustic, rusticated lagers, uh, that's, that's sort of like our, are, our, are you developing the, your own yeasts? Is that, is that what you uh, said? We are working on some, uh, uh, Lindsay's got a great barn out in New Jersey that we're gonna do some cool shipping in and try to get some cultures. Um, we've got she's she picked some fruit out there as well. The cultures are in the works. Yeah, <laughs> I have a uh, persimmon tree in my backyard that they're just starting to get so ripe they're gonna fall off. Uh, right, so I'm gonna pull some of those down and I've had pretty good success with um, just wild stuff in Brooklyn. So I'd love to do something. I'd love to take a culture from the from uh, Greenwood Cemetery and call it like zombie yeast or something. <laughs> <laughs> zombie dust is already taken. <laughs> so Lindsay, you're the one with that, that secret barn? That's a very secret barn, yeah. So you, are, you do have a place you're doing experiments? <laughs> mm-hmm. Not really yet. At the mo- for the most part, we either brew... If, if we have to brew a beer for like... To, to, like when we were trying to attract investors... Um, the we would either brew it out at Lindsay's barn, but more than more often we were I would write a recipe and Tyler would brew it at his place. So he, yeah, that was that's basically because I I'm work, a working professional brewer. I don't have a lot of time for home brewing. I I think that I do. I like to think that I do, but I never do. So like Tyler was making a lot of beer for a while. 
Good stuff. And Jeff, <laughs> tell us more about the bread as a brewer, because um, every time I've had you on, I mean, you, you're kind of quiet, but you get things done, Brett. And I'm, I always like to hear you talk because you're saying things that not too many other brewers are saying. It's amazing to be called quiet. Um, it's rare. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're reserved. You're not. <clears throat> as am yeah. I at times. You're not quiet, Jeff. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of reverence for Brett. I, I, it's similar to, to Tyler's story. I mean, um, I, I used to work at the at Brooklyn Homebrew, and Brett, Brett was a very regular customer. And every time he'd come in, I'd, you know, my eyes would light up because it always meant we were going to have a great conversation. And, um, you know, when when we were fortunate enough for him to, to bring some bottles of, of his own homebrew in, uh, that was always a, a great experience as well, and you always knew you were going to learn something. So, I mean, for me, it all starts there, and it all starts with, with basically just thinking outside of the box. And I think that, I, I think, you know, I think we're all kind of cut from a, a similar cloth in that, and uh, in that we, we really like to do things in a very different way, make different beers, think about different processes, and just, just really go about things in a, in a very different way. And, you know, that's part of why I'm so excited to, for these guys to, to get open. Uh, is just sort of seeing something that you've dreamed of actually come to fruition, and yeah. and then to be a you know a huge champion. Let's do that. this brewer to brewer. So uh, Brett, th- this next beer that you you poured, yes. let's taste it, and I want I want uh, Jeff to ask you some questions about it. All right, and you guys too can also ask him questions about it. Um, and to answer your point, I'll just interject that that some of us, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to to sully your good name. My, my sir, but some of us are able to find the time to still homebrew um, and just just kind of bang it out, despite the wishes of our wives. You, you only have so many days at home and so much time, and if you're you're willing to take half a day and so you're and you're brewing all day, Jeff, but I, then you get home and you still want to brew. You, you go home and on the weekend when you have a day off, you still knock out a batch and yeah. All right, so Brett, tell us about this beer because again, this is something that you might be making with wild yeast when you guys open yeah sure uh so this is uh this is my take on a hommel beer and it's uh and um essentially it's like the belgian like a hommel beer yeah exactly so it's a it's a it's a saison it's a very hoppy saison so what i did with this was was make a sort of uh uh saison base with a lot of so um, there's one it's called but Popperings hommel right it's exactly. a little more of like a hoppy pale ale right but, but this is a very american version so this this um this uh, so Jeff, Jeff had a recipe that that we made over at Keg and Lantern and and I had never even heard of the style until we made that beer, and then uh, doing more research I saw that uh, Jolly uh, sorry that uh, Jester King does a version, and uh, they used a lot of or orange in theirs so I, um, I I played around with that a little bit I used orange forward hops, um, Columbus uh, uh, Chinook and then I, and then some Citra and then there's orange zest in it and then Whole, an orange flesh in the uh, in the in the primary fermentation, and then it's a mixed fermentation. You know, saison yeast, uh, Britannomyces, and 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 uh, lactobacillus, um, and uh, it's pretty highly carbed. Last night when I was tasting bottles to decide what to bring on, the um, the cork hit the ceiling pretty hard. But uh, <laughs> I brought you know, a capped it, one. It, this it time. comes through. It's actually nice that it is so carbonated. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I love it. It's about it's. Pushing four volumes, um, it's it's, it's most, peppery. Most beers are at two point five. Oh, sorry, just sorry. 
it's pretty highly it's pretty highly carbonated and it um it kind of gets foamy on the palate which i kind of like it's the a, perfect brunch beer yeah that's a good one like, yeah it's almost like a mimosa huh? totally yeah <laughs> and, what, and what are questions you so like this is a great beer brett brett just tasted us you guys as partners do you ask some questions about it do you, do you weigh in on it or you're just like wow this is a great brunch beer let's sell <laughs> yeah, it i mean yeah. that's, that's oh, immediately I mean, come to mind i mean when we drink any beer totally some, some, yeah like this would be great at xyz that stuff immediately absolutely and i definitely think like just from a sales mind is like well how am i gonna sell this especially to you know one of our big goals is selling to non-beer drinkers how do i sell this to a wine drinker how do i sell this to a a female because i mean statistics show there's a lot less female drinkers than male drinkers beer drinkers you know what what's the first thing that comes to mind when drink this brunch beer so that then carries on to, you know, selling it to the right mm-hmm. restaurants or clients, you know, that can get communicated. So you're, you're at that good phase now where you're really planning out. Well, tell mm-hmm. us a few things about the plans for, for the brewery. So it's, it's going to be more of a tasting room. What are some of the plans you have? Uh, it's going to be as much of a tasting room as it is a production facility. But we do plan to do, ideally, we'd like to do most of our sales in-house. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty big space. It's it's. Especially for New York City, I would say, um, I don't know if I don't I don't know on average what the size of a brewery is in New York City, but it's a lot. I wouldn't say a lot bigger, but it's a little bigger than um, a handful of other breweries that I'm aware of, and um, it's bigger than a lot of the spaces that. And we it's next. It's next to what that place, Littlefield, right? Right. right. So mm-hmm. people kind of know where it is. It's got. Yeah, we couldn't a good be place to gather. We couldn't be happier with the location. I mean, it's right mm-hmm. off the subway. It's a, it's a great neighborhood. That's growing um perfect demographic for people th- that drink these kind of beers and uh you know lots of lots of new restaurants and bars and other establishments popping up all over so um we really it's great because we didn't feel like we settled for a location i think we we held out for an, an insane amount of time we did not got, settle <laughs> no we, we we there was many times when we almost settled and uh the, the negotiations took so long on the space that there was one point where we, we literally almost gave up and we said, all right, forget this. We're, we're moving on. <laughs> we're done with, we're done negotiating this because it's, cause it's wasting time. And we started looking at other spaces and then it kind of came back and everything fell into place. I have to say at that moment, that's where three people was very helpful because there was always one person to keep us with a level mind. It's like, no, yeah, look at it this way. There was always somebody to level us out. Like, this is, this is the space. We'll make it work. Yeah. That, that was the most emotional decision uh, I think we had absolutely. to make. And, I mean, location is practically, I mean, obviously beer is the most important thing, but location's right behind that with uh, the, one of the most important decisions I think you have to make. So you're at, near, right next to Littlefield, and what other breweries are, are really close? We're equidistant between, between Threes and Strong Rope, who we hugely respect Absolutely. Um, you know obviously I used, to, I used to work with jason but you know i've been friends with jason since forever he's one of the most beautiful humans <laughs> alive especially in the beer community and and threes has been very very friendly and helpful and and just you know supportive of, of what we're doing and i think that we're a nice little venn diagram because mm-hmm. we make beers that are similar to threes but like they're they taste very different like we're in, stylistically we're in the same sort of uh, in Shana. the same sort of range, so I think that you so know, so we could create a Gowanus beer trail, a little Gowanus yeah. like farmhouse threes, style. Yeah. wild totally. east, yeah, folks beer, strong mm-hmm. other yep. half, and strong rope, right? yep. yeah, and 
there are others coming, but yeah. it's not my place to talk about it. <laughs> well, you guys really, you, you're, you're so an insider, Brett. It's unbelievable. So the New York City Brewers Guild, I mean, you, you've worked at, at quite a few of these breweries. I mean, do, do you feel good about that? You must have a lot of friends that are brewers at other breweries. No other industry do does a, effectively a competitor bring you on uh, because you are opening a brewery and and they can't necessarily pay you to work full time and yet they will coach you in the process of opening your company and uh you know fifth hammer kcbc fibros in particular have been awesome in coaching they're coaching us through this whole thing uh, all of them but like every brewery has been has been friendly and receptive and, and helpful and uh you know it's it's such a great community it's i don't like I'm so th- I get to get up in the morning and I make beer every day and then I and then afterward I get to go hang out with with the awesomest people that like, the most inviting yeah, everyone, oh, everyone's 100%. amazing yeah it's, it's un- so collaborative it, and it's unlike any other industry oh, I can think of completely I mean you ask anybody a question and there's never a a sense of you know so Lindsay what 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 sold these guys on you because you were ready to open a brewery you, your potential partner di- didn't work out. What was the the clincher that that made you want to work with with Tyler and Brett? It was weird. There were two things involved. I mean, I read you know I read through their business plan, and it you know what I had to contribute to that. Um, I feel like I you know filled some holes that were in it, and it just kind of fit together like a puzzle. I I was very pessimistic um, going into it, and after I read it, it was very much more scientific and that hit my special little scientist note in my heart and um just the other part was the chemistry it's just was meeting them and how our conversation flowed and just everything felt right you know when you meet someone there's just that gut feeling that this is the right thing that's really what it was I mean we all complemented each other very well in our skills and our just our perspectives, our, you know, knowledge base, all that. So, yeah. Do you guys feel like you can all talk beer equally? Like Jeff mentioned what the carbonation, you said the carbonation was four and Jeff said it's typically 2.5. I mean, on the technical sides, do you guys all feel pretty comfortable talking? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Are there any questions that you ever have? Like Tyler, for Brett, like with this beer that he just made, the the breakfast brunch. I think I just named it for you. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast brunch. You have to talk to marketing, though. Yeah, marketing. <laughs> marketing that's, a little, there, that's, right? a, that's a little on the nose <laughs> to me. I think we're going we're gonna to have to get a little more creative with that. But um, Yeah, uh, it's in terms of... So, so the way I always... I mean, the way I approach my own beer is... I think, I think there's almost always room for improvement. Yeah. Uh, it's... You can't really just rest on your laurels and say, all right, this beer is perfect. Um, you know, no, no change is needed. But, um, so, I mean, I guess there, there are times when that's the case. But uh, you, you always have to think about what can we do. And, and I think if there is a beer that's perfect, in which Brett has a knack for executing, I think it's like, what can we it's add to this? It's never been done. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think what I'm thinking about is, okay, this, this is a great base beer. We can serve this as is. Um, can we add fruit to this? Can we, can we make it seasonal? Can there be something we add to it in the fall? Is there something we can add to it in the spring, summer, et cetera? Um, just thinking about like, what else, like, how much more potential does this beer have beyond what the base is? Wow. Yeah, that's cool, guys. We have to take one more break. We'll be back in another minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we got the guys from Wild East Brewing here, Lindsay, Tyler, and Brett, and, and Jeff Lyons from Keg and Lantern. So uh, Matt, our engineer, just said, oh, can I try the Four Volumes beer? You're talking about marketing and naming. You, you, you guys just signed a lease. You're, you're going to be doing a lot of construction and all that. But this is a really great beer. You said it's a, a breakfast brunch beer. It's a four volumes. It's a high, high, higher carbonation than typical, Brett. Um, you know, how are you guys going to pick what beers you end up serving? And I know you're going to have some fun with the tap room, and you're going to you're going to be able to make different batches, I'm sure, and and sell it that way. I mean, you, you, is that how you're going into it? You're just going to make different beers and see what moves, or you're going to have so any 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 strategies as you as you're planning out. I will say one thing we're striving to do is have something for everyone. And I know that that might sound kind of too broad, but we, we know there's a, we, okay, as individuals, we like a range of beers. We know everyone else, everyone has their preference. Um, one thing we don't want to do is go in and just say like, Hey, we're an all sour brewery. We're an all bread brewery. We're all this, that, um, you know, we want to have, uh, you know, Pilsner's, New England IPAs, and then like the, the heart of our brewery or the core offering is the mixed fermentation, something like this, uh, br- what we're calling the brunch beer, which is to be named later, I guess. Four volumes brunch Four beer. Four volumes <laughs> brunch beer. Um, but that's something that I think we're going to be conscious of going into opening. Uh, we want to we we showcase what we're capable of doing. We want to stay within our, I guess, our wheelhouse, but I think... Uh, besides the fact that Brett can really hit it out of the park with beers like this that are, you know, mixed fermentation, sours, and uh, wild ales, so to speak. Uh, Brett makes an awesome Pilsner, and he makes an award-winning Pilsner. Tyler's and, is better, though. Mm. <laughs> well, well, Tyler, you, you, you're a BJCP judge. Yeah. Um, so, have you guys, are there any particular uh, awards you've won for, for your Pilsners? Certain homebrew competitions or any other that come to mind, or just for amongst your friends. I've never won a homebrew award for a logger, but I've never entered it in competition. Um, but you yeah. like you like his pills. He likes your pills. You won, yeah. I, I think at our pills respect. You won an unofficial award at um, a homebrew club meetup that I was at, where everyone in the room unanimous, unanimously voted it the best beer of the night out of. You know, several dozen beers. So I think that counts. But then you did the same thing, what, a month or two ago? Exactly a month ago. Literally exactly a month ago. Okay. The point is, as a brewery, we can execute a Pilsner. Yes. And um, we, but back to your point, yes, we want something for everyone. We don't want to be, we want to be known as the brewery that does what we do best, which is mixed fermentation, sour, wild. Okay, on that note, we have a question from our Instagram follower, Octobird, at Octobird, that we know him. I know Mr. J.M. Hammond. Um, f- on your website, a lot of the information says that you're going to be a farmhouse-style brewery. You know, there's some photos of br- uh, brewing at a barn. How are you <laughs> going to bring the farmhouse to the city since you're brewing in Gowanus, Brooklyn? Thank I- you, Octobird. Thank you, Akbar. Uh Yeah, it's more of a it's 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 an aesthetics thing. Um, we it's our mentality more than anything. Uh, a lot of adjuncts, you know. Uh, I thought I brewed with a lot of adjuncts, and then I started brewing with Jeff, and we made we made we made some saisons that were the actual malted barley was was an afterthought. <laughs> 
And um, so he's Jeff's laughing. laughing. Yes, he's laughing. And so am I. Um, and, and so, like, yeah, that's the thing. That's where I got my idea for the 75% oat saison um, that I want to brew with chamomile. And, and uh, oh, I'm giving away my, my ideas now. But, uh, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, there are, there's, there are so many things, like, it's, it's brewing, first of all, uh, using, using it local, local enough ingredients, uh, we're gonna have a, a farmhouse license, uh, or a farm license as well as a, as well as a microbrewer's license, and, um, using those New York ingredients, for farmhouse beer, we want to use New York ingredients, or North Jersey ingredients, excuse me, and, um, and then yeah, a lot of mixed fermentation uh, to get into that sort of, but that that's the that's sort of sort of the the chic American uh, craft beer version of, of farmhouse brewing. But like, it's it's brewing with what you have and brewing with with local ingredients, and, and as opposed to sourcing from the best stuff available around the world. Not to say that New York ingredients aren't some of the best around the world, but we will be working with with those for our farmhouse beers. That's great. Let's let's jump to the potential of what you guys are doing. So, with a good example is Keg and Lantern. So, Jeff, remember it wasn't too many years ago that uh, Keg and Lantern was just a restaurant brewery. You could only get the the beer at at the at the bar. And I remember one time uh, your brewer brought me, not for resale, uh, sm- a small cask of, of some of your beer. And I really got into Keg and Lantern. I, I think I remember I, I had a couple wholesale kegs when when that happened. So you know. What was the step up for you guys, and at what point did you come in? Because we're, we're actually drinking one of your beers now, aren't we? Yeah, so uh, what's in the glass is, uh, we call it Stolen Valor. It's a Bohemian Pilsner. Um, and I think, you know, just stylistically, it's something that that Brett and I both love. I know Tyler Tyler has a love for it. Love Sorry, it. Lindsay. I and, you know, when <laughs> um, you poured it, it, it smells like beer. Yeah. Like, this is what I think of beer. And Before it, New England IPAs, and <laughs> when I was like ten, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. The uh, the whole lager thing goes, you know, it, it brings brings back uh, underage drinking or or your first beers once you turn exactly twenty one, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I think but lager, it lager smells does like that beer, for a lot of people. It's not hops; I, it smells like beer. Yeah, and I I, I think that there's a beautiful uh, reemergence of lager style beers in in newer craft brewers uh nationwide and and locally as well and, and i i think everybody in this room really appreciates that um yeah that's good i mean new york has a great tradition of loggers you know going back to rheingold and this could be one of the great new new york loggers man oh so we were congratulations we're, well, thank you thank you thank you um I, you were asking about distribution and whatnot with keg and lantern though i so yeah exactly uh so patrick pj uh patrick allen was the head brewer from sort of conception, you know, from from when the owner envisioned having a craft brewery, a, a very small brewery in the basement of his existing sort of Irish pub. Um, PJ was the one that helped make that vision happen with the owner, and then about a well, about two years into the the deal, um, you know, he he decided it was time. He had had a child. It was time for him to move family upstate a little bit and. He had an opportunity to help uh, an old friend open Westkill Brewing. They're they're awesome. Check out their beers when, when you get the chance. But Which I, um, I, I want to try the beers. I mean, I don't think we've had them on since they opened up, but up, up in the Hudson Valley. Yeah. yeah. Then for you guys, so so it went from restaurant brewery just to give it a yeah. sense of what you could be yeah. restaurant brewery. So and so, then and then then the you know PJ and the owner Kieran uh, opened a they they put a three barrel system 
down in the basement that you wouldn't think you'd be able to do something like that in. <laughs> it's very uh, sort of sort of cramped, but then you get used to it and it doesn't feel so cramped. Uh, but it's pretty amazing. Everybody who walks down there the first time and just kind of blows their minds. Like, how do you how do you even envision this? Let alone you know make this happen and then and then make beer here. So that was going on. Everything was being served in house, aside from a few few special things that PJ would do for close friends um like like you guys had worked out and then when i came on i i just you know i looked at brett and i said hey we we've got a we've got to step on the accelerator a little bit we got to make a little bit more beer and the best way to do that is to start sending some of it out the doors so you know and, I, and when i say some of it i'm talking very little of it we're talking about you know a handful of kegs every week that we're able to to spare that we that we don't just sell in-house at the bar uh and yeah yeah, you guys were great at supporting us, and there, you know, we have we have some close friends that helped us get going, and we've been fortunate enough to sort of expand that a little bit and, and grow our group of, of friendly faces and people who who buy our beer periodically, and yeah, it sort of helps sustain us and, and allows us to make a little bit more beer, just keep new styles turning a little bit more quickly than we would otherwise. And then you guys, Tyler, Lindsay, you know, look, looking to what are some other breweries in New York City? Or, or other places that you look to that you might try to emulate in terms of how they open, their formats, any other things that inspire you? Um, just from a straight product standpoint, I'm a big fan of Suarez, yeah. Upstate. I think they really... I, it, it also, I mean, it, it's kind of like the... Um, I'd almost call it the child of Hill Farmstead because because of the, uh, the alumni there with yeah. Dan... But um, yeah, just everything like every style is done so with such excellence and um, such great balance and but lots of flavor and you know it's everything you could hope it would be. So um, for me, that's that's what I hope we can achieve from a product standpoint. Um, and there's lots of great stuff happening in New York City. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I guess. To name a few, uh, I, I think what Graham is doing is, is great. Of course, Fifth Hammer, um, our neighbors, Threes. I think I, I give a lot of props to Jason at Strong Rope for using all New York State ingredients. I mean, he's really, okay. he's really quite a like. He's kind of the pioneer for New York he'll, State. He'll be on it in, in two weeks. I think it's mm -hmm. December eighteenth or in two weeks. We have a New York sourcing ingredient show with yeah. Jason Sailor. But um, talk about Suarez. One thing that's interesting, I was up there tasting i think in 2016 before they had they had opened and he had from his like homebrew and small batch stuff he was it was kind of like what you're doing brad he had a lot of fruit sours wild fermented but when he opened the the thing that he was selling was 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 really dry pilsners yeah. and you want to want to comment on that or yeah they're dry but they're soft they're, they're just the luscious beers are just they like you you go back in for another sip as soon as you swallow. Like there's, it's just you can. There's, they're fabulous. So what? What's the secret to that? To that Suarez pills? Uh, I would argue water and and getting your hopping rates right. Um, hop hop the malt ratio and in your in your water. I think that's that's probably the key. And are you guys gonna make a pills? Oh yeah. Yeah. And a Hellas. And a Hellas too. Yeah. So you got pills, Hellas, some wild fermented, farm steady yeah. beers. I gotta, I gotta try to, uh, I gotta try to keep up with the, with the Keg and Lantern Hellas though. It's the best one in New York City by a, by a, 
country mile. Well, that's this, this Bohemian Pills <laughs> is really great, Jeff, too. Um, and, and for you guys, anything else you want to say about the relationships here? Brett had, having worked with Kagan Lantern, Fifth Hammer, um, any other inspirations you guys are singing? You know, because you're still really in, in, you're in the planning stages, kind of. You know, you've just signed a lease. Why is everybody looking at me? Because <laughs> you go to more breweries than any of us. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm known to travel a lot, and I find breweries in every corner of the world that I go to. She's so. been to that one in Jordan. I have been to Caracale in Jordan, and it was a wonderful <clears throat> experience, an amazing experience. Um, what do you like in a brewery when you walk you in? I, I mean, honestly, there's so much. I think it's... It's the the attitude, the vibe, the the friendliness. The the I think a big part for me is just willingness to to educate the customer if they don't know what they want. And um, as a female, I think that's a really important thing because there's so many female drinkers that um, want to understand beer that they're very intimidated by it because it's whatever. But that's that's a really important thing in a brewery is just their openness to, to taking the time to help you understand what you might like and, and giving you tastings and helping you understand the entire process of beer because it's very interesting and no, not many people know about it. Um, you know, just, I don't know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And some breweries have, you know, different levels of that, but I, I don't know. I guess that's... I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really rooting for you guys and I'm, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to this. We're going to have to wrap it up. One more time, everybody, just say your name. You don't have to say where you're from, but say your name and what brewery you work for. Let's go around the room. Lindsay Steen, Wild East Brewing Company. Tyler March, Wild East Brewing Company. Brett Taylor, Wild East Brewing Company. Current day job, Fifth Hammer Brewing Company. <coughs> Jeff Lyons, Kagan Lantern. Well, you guys are great, man. Thanks for so- We've never done a show like this before. You guys just signed a lease. We got you at, at the opening phases. And uh, we're going to have you back again before you open. We'll, we'll see how far you've come and how long it takes you. But definitely looking forward to talking to you guys again. And, Brett, always great having you on. I love your beers, man. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Thanks, for the Thanks everybody. Uh, Thanks producer for Justin Kennedy, Matt Patterson, our engineer, Dylan Hoyer, our intern. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for joining us on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.